Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right. So this is week two in a message called How to Be Rich. And I know it seems like a strange uh, title, you know, for a message series. And if you're, uh, if you're new to church or newer to church, you might be thinking, does he mean how to get rich? No, we're not talking about how to get rich. Lots of people talking about how to get rich. Uh, if you Google how to get rich on, on Google, you will see lots of responses. There was no shortage of advice on how to get rich. But what we're talking about is, is this. If you make it your aim to get rich, someday you might get there. Someday you might become rich and not know how to be rich. You might become rich and not be any good at it. From time to time, you know, we come across people who, uh, who are rich and are no good at being rich. They're just, they're, they're, still, they're still living a little self-centeredly. They're still not really being generous the way we think rich people ought to live. And so we're talking about how to be rich just in case. And so last week, what we, what we kind of landed on, and this is kind of a big deal. I don't say this that often, but from time to time, I need to bring this to you. If you didn't hear last week's message, I want to encourage you to listen to it. If you're, in fact, if you're listening online or watching online and you didn't catch last week's message, I want you to pause today, pause what you're doing now, and go back and listen to week one, uh, because it, it'll set you up a lot better to understand where we're headed today. What we landed on real quick last week was kind of a game changer. Uh, we had a couple of people, uh, I've had a few people approach me during the week and in the lobby and emailing me and going, that was a perspective shift. I did not know that. That was whoa, that was kind of a, 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 a moment where I began to see my world differently. What, what we learned last week is that if you earn minimum wage, if you, if you have a 40-hour-a-week job at minimum wage, you are in the top 5% of wealthy people globally. You, at minimum wage, are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. That's how many people there are on this planet living impoverished. So we, we, when we look at the scriptures that talk about rich people, and I don't know if you knew this, there are scriptures, there are passages in the Bible aimed at rich people. We always think those verses are for somebody else. But they're not. Those verses are for us, for everyone in this room. So if you're at minimum wage, you're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. If you're at 50K per year, the average salary of the, of the current American worker, from the mailroom to the C-suite, across the board, if you're a full-time employee anywhere, uh, nationwide, the average salary, it's in the high 40s, we're going to call it 50K. If you earn 50K a year, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. You are the 1%. That's how it works. That's the truth. Now the deal is, you and I don't feel rich. If you're earning 50K a year, you don't necessarily, you didn't walk in here going, I'm a rich person. You don't perceive yourself to be rich. You're still feeling financial pressure. So, you know, it, it's kind of a different, a different deal. Uh, so, so the question we're asking is, when do you start to feel rich? If you are rich, when do you start to feel rich? When am I going to start to experience being rich? Well, 
that actually is up to you. It's going to be up to you when you decide to start feeling rich. It's going to be up to you when you decide to start behaving like a rich person. Because rich people tend to behave differently. Some of them are good at it, some of them are bad at it. And we need to kind of figure out where we are. Rich, rich, the idea of being rich is always a moving target. This is another thing we covered last week. If you earn 50K a year, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. But you don't feel rich. So when, when, when research was done and people at 50K a year were asked, what would it take for you to feel rich? The answer was 100K. I need to make $100,000 a year. Then I'd feel rich. And when we went to people that made 100K a year, not we, the Barna Group who did the research, went to people who made 100K a year and said, do you feel rich? I mean, you're, now at 100K, you're in the top 001% of the world's wealthy. You're breathing rare air. At 100K a year, do you feel rich? No, 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 no. People who are rich are people who make 200K. And on and on and on up the chain, everybody thought somebody else was rich. Which basically, the way it works in our world is, there's like two people that get to be rich on the planet. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, those guys are rich. Everybody else thinks somebody else is rich. Everybody with me on this? So, so how does it work? If we're going to start understanding that we're actually rich and that these scriptures, okay, let me, let, me, let me do it like this. Imagine for a minute that you were asked to speak to, a, is there a bird in here? Uh, imagine for a minute that you were asked to speak to a room full of billionaires. Imagine you had an opportunity, imagine for a minute you have no fear of public speaking and you are asked to address a room full of billionaires. These are people that you would perceive to be rich. We are all rich, but we would perceive these people to be rich, right? What would you say to them? Besides, give me some money. You'd say that. I would say, hey, let me tell you about this amazing church you all need to get behind, okay? But, but, but like, after you got done saying, give me some money, what would you say? Well, there's this guy named Paul. He's, he's the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've heard of him. He's got a young disciple named Timothy who's leading a church, and Timothy has some rich people in his church. And here's what Paul tells Timothy to tell the billionaires of his church. And this is not for billionaires, team, just so we're clear. This is for us. Teach those, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. We read these last week. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them. Tell them, Timothy, tell, tell these rich people, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So Paul instructs Timothy to instruct his congregation. And as a pastor, I have to receive that for myself. 
So I'm prepping this stuff, and I'm preparing to communicate this to you, and I feel that a little bit. I feel a little bit of uh, old school preachers used to call it unction. I feel a little pressure. I feel a little weight. I feel a little, a little Holy Spirit thing going, Bert, tell them. Teach them. What would you say to rich people? Tell them not to be arrogant. It's the first thing he says. Tell them not to be proud. Tell them not to teach them, Bert. Teach them not to be arrogant. And you could almost go, okay, that was written 2,000 years ago. How did he know? How did he know that rich people tend to be arrogant? Have you observed that rich people tend to be arrogant? Have you, you've observed that in your life, haven't you? Yeah. Rich people just tend to think they're a little bit better than everybody else. You've seen that at the airport. You've seen it at restaurants. You've seen it when a rich person just, just is 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 a little bit above everything else and just feels like everyone else is beneath them. You've seen that and it disgusts you, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, it's gross. You've seen that happen. When a, and here's why. why. Why does that happen? Why do rich people behave that way? Here's why. Because something in us tends to think that as our income goes up, so does our IQ. There's something inside of us that tends to think that as we grow richer, we're also growing smarter. And surely we're growing richer because we're smarter. Surely we're growing wealthier and surely we have what we have because we're a little smarter, because we're a little bit superior, because we're just a little bit better. And it's insidious and it's quiet and it happens underneath. But what occurs in, over time is that you eventually do start thinking you're more important than other people. That's, that's what happens to wealthy people. And it happens all the time. And it happens sometimes to us. We've been on both sides of this. It happens, okay, this happens, you've, you've seen this in action, every single time you pull up to a red light and you look to your right and there's like an 18-year-old kid next to you at the intersection driving a $100,000 car. There's an 18-year-old kid driving a $100,000 car, and you're there in your 11-year-old Nissan Sentra. <laughs> Coming in hot, missing a hubcap with a little rust on the fender. That's you. And you look over at the kid in the $100,000 car, and the kid in the $100,000 car looks over at you and looks at your car and goes, just like that. You ever seen that happen? Sure you have. Now, when that happens, what do you think? Here's what you don't think. You don't think, wow, there's a fine, upstanding young man. He must have worked really hard for that car. I'll bet he had a paper route. Good for you, young man. Keep on working hard. That's what you don't think. Here's what you do think. Dude, don't look at me like that. You didn't earn that car. Your daddy bought that for you. You're a kid. You don't even know what it is to work hard. Look at you, driving that car, looking down on me. Your daddy bought that for you. You got no reason to look down on Everyone following me? That's what happens. So what occurs, what occurs in our life as we, as we advance, hopefully as years go on, if you're able to grow a little bit more wealthy, if you're able to, to move uh, on financially, if you're not just treading water, and if you are just treading water, you're doing great in this world. But as, as the years roll on and as we look at people who maybe don't have what we have, 
something happens within us, and we start to think maybe we're just a little bit more important. And we start to think maybe we're entitled to our wealth, entitled to all that we have. And the truth is this, and it's time for me to get a little confrontational with you. It's time for me to be a little bit pastoral with you. A big part of why you're so successful has to do with God. A big part of why you're so successful has to do with God. Right? And I know, I get it. Oh, I don't know if I feel rich. I just, I just work really hard. I work hard, I work super hard, and I know you work really hard, and you studied really hard, and you made sacrifices, and you built that company from the ground up with your own two hands by the sweat of your brow, I know. But you had advantages. For starters, you did what you did in this country, didn't you? Were you born here, or did you get here? One way or the other, whether you're born here or you got here, you are blessed. Because whatever you might think about the state of our country right now, I, I still believe it's the greatest country in the world. I still believe this is the best place in the world to live. Oh, I'm trying to get all patriotic. I just think that's the truth. I think that's, that's, that's where we are. We're blessed to get to live here. There are millions and millions and maybe billions of people on the planet who would love to just come here and get to live here. So you started here. You got to live here. And when, when you were functioning here and doing your thing here, you had two eyes that worked, right? Did you have your vision? Did you have a, a strong mind and four limbs that worked and a functioning central nervous system? You were blessed. God blessed you. I know you worked hard, but at the end of the day, your daddy bought that for you. Amen. Your daddy bought that for you. So you, don't, you and I don't get to walk around thinking we're a little bit better than somebody else or we're a little bit more important. We worked hard, and guess what? And I'm sorry to just bring this. You don't get a cookie for working hard. Working hard is what's expected. Working hard is what's expected of people. That's what you're supposed to do with your life. Leverage your days and earn it. Leverage your days and do good. Leverage your days and be excellent at whatever you put your hand to. Work at your craft and get better at it and keep learning. That's what's expected of you. You did that. You were successful. Good. Don't ever forget for a minute that your daddy bought that for you. That you were given advantages. That God blessed you along the way. Because if you forget that, entitlement will creep in and you'll start to think you're just a little bit better or a little bit more important than other people. And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Tell them not to be arrogant, Timothy. Don't let them, don't let God catch you being arrogant because of something you have. There's a proverb that says the wealth, the riches of the wealthy are their fortified city. So the other thing that starts to happen when you become wealthy, and we're going to define wealthy as you have extra. When you start having extra, there's a temptation to lean into your wealth as your source of security. So as you grow wealthier, what happens is, you know, when you don't have anything, you're kind of really dependent on God, right? Some of you guys remember those days. We were just, you know, we were, we were broke and we were young and we were just, you know, leaning on God and eating tomato soup out of the can and we're just trusting God and trying to just get there. We remember those days when we were lean and things were tough and now, now we're doing a little bit better. And what happens is once you start to have extra, you have to rely on God when you don't have very much. But once you start to have extra, you start to lean into your wealth. And your wealth becomes the thing you focus on. 
And what happens then is you start, you start perseverating on it and you start thinking about it and you start checking it constantly and you start kind of obsessing over your finances. And it becomes something that's sort of a constant, constant thought for you. It's dangerous. This is a dangerous thing. You lean into your money. You start leaning into your finances. Uh, and, 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 and the deal is for us, we, we still don't feel rich. Even, even as we start leaning into our finances and focusing on our finances, we still don't feel rich. In fact, it is inversely proportional. The more you lean into your finances, the more you lean into your wealth, the more obsessed you are with your 401k or your investments, the more focused you are on the dollar, the less likely you are to feel rich. And it doesn't matter how much you have. It's a moving target. It will always be a moving target. Let me ask you a question. How much money would you need to have total financial security? How much money would you need to have total, total financial security? The answer is, the same for everyone, the answer is more. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what plateau you're at. The answer is more. There's always more. To have total financial security, you're just always, always, always going to need more. It's a moving target. This is from the book of Ecclesiastes. Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 10. Those who love money will never have enough. That wasn't supposed to be an ellipsis at the end of that. That's a period. Those who have money will never have enough. So here's a simple way to make sure you never have enough money. Who wants to make sure they never have enough money? Because here it is. Ready? Love it. Love money. Love it. Oh, obsess over it. Put it together. Make stacks on stacks on stacks. Just gather it and obsess over it. That's how you can be sure you'll never have enough. That's what the scripture says. Are you willing to believe that this morning? Because that's, that's how foolish people behave. Rich people don't behave like that. Rich people understand, I have more than enough. I'm called now to be a blessing to the world. I'm called now to share. I'm called now to enjoy it, to have all that we need for our enjoyment. Teach them, Timothy. Teach them. Teach them, Bert, to be rich in good deeds, not just stacks on stacks on stacks. Teach them to be rich in good deeds. Teach them to share. Teach them to bless others that they may experience true life. It says in 1 Timothy. Because you could make stacks on stacks on stacks and miss out on real life. You could miss true life. Miss out on life. Because you're so obsessed. Because you're constantly checking your 401k. Because you're constantly checking that crypto balance. Because you're constantly just thinking and thinking and thinking. Because you're thinking at some point, I'll have enough money to have total financial security. And you live your life like that and you move forward and live like that and live like that and live like that until there's a terrible car accident or somebody in your family gets cancer 
or one of your kids runs off, or somebody ends up addicted to something terrible, and then what you realize is, no amount of money will fix this. Stacks on stacks on stacks is never gonna matter. You've spent years of your life backing the wrong horse, because what you need now is faith, and you have none. You got money in the bank, but no faith. And faith is what you need in that moment. Connection to God. And there's no amount of money in the world that can fix the real things that go wrong. And what you needed all those years was to be trusting God. And what you needed all those years was to, was to be leaning into him and not leaning in, into your wealth. These verses are not for you if you're in crisis. These verses are for you if you're ahead of the crisis. If you're ahead of the crisis now, make changes now. And say this with me. We're going to put a sentence up on the screen. Look at this. I will not trust in my riches, but in God who so richly provides. I will not trust in my riches, but in God who so richly provides. I want you guys to say that with me. Hang on, put it back up. Together, I will not trust in my riches, but in God who so richly provides. One more time. I will not trust in my riches, but in God who so richly provides. God who so richly provides for our enjoyment. He provides what you need for your enjoyment so you can enjoy what you have, but also so that you can share and be a blessing to others. I know what you're thinking. Many of you have thought this thought before. Oh, dude, I know. I get it. I'll give when I'm rich. Soon as I'm rich, dude, I'm going to hook everybody up. Soon as I'm rich, I'm going to get there someday. Someday I'll be rich, and when I'm rich, I'll write the big check. When I'm rich, I'll hook everybody up. When I'm rich, I'll take care of the church, and I'll take care of my family, and I'll take care of everybody. As soon as I'm rich, and could I just get up in your mug for a hot minute? No, you won't. No, you won't. The math doesn't lie. It's math. Wealthy people not only give away a smaller percentage of their income, they also straight up give away fewer dollars than their less wealthy counterparts. Did you know that? I'm talking wealthy people by our standards. We're all of us wealthy, but people who we think is wealthy. People at that next plateau. Not only do they give away a smaller percentage of their income, they straight up give away fewer dollars. Why? Because the more money you have, the harder it is to part with it. Because the more you gather, because the more it gets its hooks into you, the harder it is to say goodbye to it. Because the more money you accumulate, the easier it is to lean into that. The easier it is to make that the source of your income. I'm sorry, your security. The, the easier it is to make that the source of your future. The easier it is to make that the source of your peace. You lean into your wealth as your strong tower. And it's harder and harder and harder to part with it. Happens all the time. So how do we break this? I don't want to have money in the bank, but no peace in my heart. The answer is really clear. We're supposed to tithe. We're supposed to tithe. 10% of what comes in goes back out as an offering to the Lord. It's what God lays claim to. And we're scared. We don't do that because we're scared. I get it. 
I understand. It's a scary world. Things are scary. So we say, I want to do that. I want to help. I want to be a blessing. I think every person wants to be generous. But then we go, oh, okay, well, what, if happen- what if something happens to me? I mean, what if I tithe? What if I give that money away and then something happens to me? What if I tithe and then, you know, uh, my refrigerator quits working or the transmission falls out of my car or I need some kind of major dental work or something happens to me? Now you're all paranoid about those three things. Start planting seeds of doubt as to what might happen in your head, right? So, you know, what if, what if all these terrible things, we can start rattling off terrible things that can happen to you? What if one of those things happened to me? What if I trust God and then one of those things happens to me? Could we just talk for a minute? Who's in charge of what happens to you? Who is in charge of what? Do you think you're in charge of what happens to you? You ain't that rich. God is in charge of what happens to you. So we're called to trust God in this area. And to help, we want to give you a safety net. This is a place where the church is going to put our money where, it, where our mouth is. So, at the end of this sermon series, two weeks from today, from the end of this sermon series through Easter is about 90 days. We've done this before, but it's been a while. We're going to do a 90-day tithing challenge. And we're going to invite you to tithe for 90 days. And if... From the end of that challenge until a month later, okay? Tithe for three months. At the end of the fourth month, the challenge ends, and here's the deal. Within that four months, if you have any kind of a financial setback and need your money back, we'll just give you your money back. That is a money back guarantee on your offering from a church. That doesn't happen very often. So you're worried about what would happen. You're worried about what would happen if you trusted God if something happened to you. We're just telling you, trust God for 90 days and let's watch what happens. Because it might just be that for the first time in your living life, you will feel rich. It might just be for the first time in all your life that you start remembering to honor God, that you start remembering that your daddy bought that for you, that you start remembering to return thanks to him who has so richly blessed you, that it might be the first time in your life when you begin to process, I will not trust in my riches, but in God who so richly provides. Tithe for 90 days. And if you have every, we've done this four different times. Do you know how many times someone came to us to ask for relief? Once. One time. You think I was going to say zero. No, one time. We did have one family, had a major, just had a, a medical thing, and we just were happy, gave them, not only gave them their money back, gave them more money than they gave to help. We promise. You haven't, just all you have to do is give in such a way that it's trackable. With me? Don't come to us in three months and go, oh, I put $10,000 in cash in the offering plate. I'm going to need that back. Don't do that, Okay. Give in such a way, yeah, I see you out there. Give in such a way that it's trackable. And together, we'll step out in faith and trust God and watch what he does. All right? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to learn. We thank you that whatever blessings we have, at the end of the day, you bought these things for us. 
You, you, you blessed us. You've given us what we have, and you've, you even blessed us with the opportunity to work hard. And at the end of it all, whatever we have materially, you purchased our salvation. You bought that for us. The forgiveness of our sins, you offer this to us, and we're so grateful. Father, may we be people who trust you with all that we have, not just with our heart and our salvation, but with the things you've blessed us with in the here and now. Watch over us, guide us in this, and inspire us, Father, not to lean into our wealth, but to lean into you who so richly provides. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.